university to study science and philosophy. Um, I did a degree in philosophy of physics and then became interested in history of science. Um, and very quickly within that, I became interested in historical relations between science and religion. And I was at Cambridge University and uh, one day out of curiosity, I looked at um, uh, some Newton manuscripts and uh, there were a series of uh, microfilms uh, from the what was then the Jewish National University Library uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, there were six microfilm reels of Newton's theological writings and, and nobody had really studied them seriously. And I thought that someone ought to. Uh, so I spent a very long period of time looking at Newton's theology, uh, trying to come to terms with the details of it, rather than just saying it was interesting or significant that Newton uh, was a religious person who studied theology. I wanted to take, I wanted to understand what he actually believed. Uh, before we get into the, the religious aspects of it, first of all, what is the Newton Project? What is that exactly? And the Newton Project is a, a digital edition, so an online, freely available digital edition of, uh, so far of Newton's um, administrative papers, uh, his theological writings, uh, which are nearly all online, there's about five million words. And then I think in the next few years, we want to finish putting up all of his scientific and mathematical writings. So by 2027, which will be 300 years since he died, uh, we want everything he ever wrote to be available online. So historians, scholars, commentators can uh, can analyse Newton, uh, not just his own writings, but in his contexts as well. Well, well how would you describe um, Newton the person, just personality-wise? <laughs> kind of a person was he? You know, you read all kinds of things about him and eccentric, um, out of the box, quirky. How, how do you view it? Uh, I, I think he's a complicated person. I mean, to begin with, uh, most of the things we hear uh, from uh, about Newton were, were what a wonderful guy he was. Um, and they come from obviously his disciples, his relatives, his friends his acolytes and you know that they they paint a completely hagiographic view of of newton uh and the, there is a sense i think that he's a very generous person uh to people um what the roots of that generosity are is uh, are difficult to find but there's another side to newton that his enemies saw uh and they thought that there were aspects of newton that were pathological um uh, the, the extremely destructive uh, there's there's a paranoid element to newton a deeply paranoid element, uh, I think, which is bound up with um, how he saw himself as a Christian, um, how he saw himself as a scholar, uh, how he saw himself as, a, as an individual uh, citizen. I mean, all these things are, are closely bound up with each other.
Okay, we, we just broke off there a little bit. You can hear me right now? I can hear you right now, yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. Um, how, how does one evaluate Newton's scientific contributions from the perspective of the 21st century? We're, we're now, what, three, 300, how many years are we since his discoveries and his research and his, his science? So I, I missed I missed a couple of words there. Could you repeat that? Okay. How do we evaluate Newton's scientific contributions from the perspective of the 21st century, hundreds and hundreds of years after he lived? Well, I think Newton synthesized the number of elements of the scientific revolution. Um, he, he he was an ambitious, uh, courageous scholar. Uh, he he did things. He, he's a very independent-minded person. Um, he, as I said, he, he brought together aspects of the work of uh, some of the great heroes of the scientific revolution: uh, Johannes Kepler, Galileo, Galileo Galilei, Nicolaus Copernicus, and so on, and, and created, uh, if you like, the it was the pinnacle or apex of of work done in that period. And it laid the basis for work to be done in the 18th and 19th centuries. But, you know, a lot of the Newtonian triumph is is ironically uh, done by people who came after him and who disagreed with fundamental tenets of Newton's philosophy. But they but they built on the the kind of core ideas of Newton's uh, great discovery, which is you know the three laws of motion, the, the concepts of mass and force and, of course, the general law of universal gravitation which is which was very difficult for people to accept um in the early 18th century because it 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 doesn't make sense but the evidence tells you it's true counterintuitive he was able to go against what people thought was intuitive Uh, yeah i mean i think there's there's a big uh there is a connection with 20th century work in general relativity and quantum mechanics i think in many senses you know what newton says about the universal gravitation, you know, in an infinite universe is as difficult to accept uh, because it overturns uh, intuition. It, it overturns common sense. It overturns what everybody knew. Um, I think it, it's very similar to the revolutions in early 20th century physics. Um, it, it's an extraordinary leap of the imagination, if you like. And, and, and he was recognized for his achievements during his lifetime. It wasn't that he was ridiculed or scorned. I mean, he was recognized as, as a leader in, in what he was doing. Exactly. Yes, he was. Um, I, I don't think any people didn't um, demean his achievement. I think there were, there were people who argued that there was no evidence that universal gravitation extended across the entire universe, which is something that Newton himself agreed with. Uh, but he thought it was highly likely. Uh, and also there were people who thought that there was so much mathematics in Newton's natural philosophy that it was more a, a triumph or, or an achievement of mathematics than of physics. But on the whole, the, you know, everybody um, uh, is stunned, I think, by Newton's achievement. And I think there are two things, there are two consequences of that. One is that if if you're religiously inclined, as most people were, you, you can see Newton's work as corroborating belief in a, an intelligent designer God. 
On the other hand, if you're more of an enlightenment humanist figure, you can say, look, here is a man, a human, a finite human being who has shown that human beings by themselves are capable of understanding this extraordinary world around us. So there's a kind of secular, uh, there's, there's a secular extension or implication of Newton's work. Just as much as for Newton and others, there's a there's a deeply religious implication in natural theology. What what is the main theme and your conclusion in Priest of Nature, the religious wor- worlds of Isaac Newton? What what conclusion did you come to um, in, in in your uh, in your research? Um, well, I think quite simply, he was uh, a, a very religious. He, he had a very peculiar kind of religion. Uh, it's unorthodox. It's um, it's highly idiosyncratic and independent. Um, but he lives uh, he he lives a Judeo-Christian life, um, or as as he sees it, um, a, a Christian life that's based on Noahid fundamentals. Uh, but also, he's a serious theologian. I think that's what I got from it. And of course, he's not. He was not a. He was a member of the Anglican Church, the Church of England, but a very peculiar member of the Church of England. Um, so he he worshipped publicly in in the church, but his beliefs are are very difficult to hold within the church. I think uh, his theology is very serious, and he devoted his life to doing theology because that's who he thought he was. And he, but he's a lay person. He's not he's not a professional divine. And I think being a layman, an ordinary person who does theology is a very important part of his identity. So that, that, those are the things. And, and I looked really at the first part of his career. Um, you know, but, but maybe I will live long enough to do a second volume, uh, but who knows? Um, and in many ways, it's quite interesting because I think he is, he does continue to be fairly original uh, throughout the last two or three decades of his life. But my, my book was really on the, 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 the beginnings of his interest in theology. Um, and they, How did he get there? How, how did he get there? What was the background that got him to this unusual perspective of religion and theology? Um, well, he's brought up in a religious environment. You know, he's brought up in the English Civil Wars. Uh, some of his relatives are members of the Church of England. They're, they're not just members, they're uh, their clergy, uh, their priests in the Church of England, but he's brought up in a time when, in the English Republic, uh, a different kind of religion, a different kind of Protestant religion, is dominant. And I think he probably learns some degree of independence of thought from that condition. You know, he's pulled in all these different directions in terms of religion. And when he went to Cambridge University, to Trinity College, uh, he was in a, a very uh, reactionary time. Uh, after the restoration of the king um, and many of the, the kind of Puritan views were well, most of the, the Puritan kinds of theology that were key in the 1640s and 50s they were outlawed um, but he managed to keep I think he learned to keep his views quiet and secret because they were formally heretical you know he does not believe he did not believe in the holy trinity uh, to him it was nonsense it, it made no sense it was a it was a later addition. Um, and I think he has this strong belief that comes from religion that he is a special person. Um, not, not that he's a saint, 
but that he's been given a gift uh, and a gift of uh, a gift of the potential of understanding. And that requires hard work and diligent study of scripture and everything that goes around it, you know, whether it's you know, so occasionally uh, rabbinic writings, occasionally uh, early works in the Christian church that were considered apocryphal uh, or, or pseudepigraphical. Newton is still prepared to look at those uh, to see if there's anything that can be gleaned from them. But his, his knowledge of the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament is tremendous, I think. I mean, he takes it very seriously. And that must have come from training as a young boy. I mean, we, we know what he learned at school. Uh, it's, a, it's, you know, people did religious study every day. And we know that he had to do religious study of a sort at university. It was private. It wasn't on the curriculum, but he still had to do it. He had to read the Greek New Testament um, to learn Greek. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, the vast majority of students knew the Bible fairly well. Newton knew the Bible. And I mean, the Hebrew Bible plus the Christian New Testament. He knew that extremely well, as, as well as anybody. Was it? Would you say that um, his religious beliefs drove his scientific research? His scientific research drove his religious beliefs. But what was the like a symbiotic relationship between the two? If one could divide the two, um, I I think it's difficult to prove either of those. I certainly don't think that the scientific uh, his scientific or mathematical interests. I don't think they drove his religious views. Um, I think that the prior, the thing that underpins his life is, are, are his religious commitments. Um, I think that to some extent, and this, this if anything, uh, promotes or, or elevates his achievements in science and mathematics, uh, I, I think that he spends a small part of his life on those pursuits. Um, you know, the Principia Mathematica he wrote in two years, um, his work on calculus took up about two years primary. I mean, and, and obviously he develops it, but the, the, the core fascination with those, with those topics lasts only, you know, two to three years, maybe um, optics again, there it's a project these things interest him through his life, but his real dedication throughout his life is to uh, studying the word of God as he saw it. Um, so the, the, the emphasis, there are relations between religion and, and natural philosophy. So religion and science, there are ways in which he sees them as connected, but he also sees them as unconnected. So many of the kinds of demonstration that are appropriate, you know, proofs that are appropriate to mathematics and science, they're not appropriate to religion because only the true believer can see the the truth of the demonstrations, for example, of his view of the Christian religion. I mean, his view of the Christian religion is is very, as I said earlier on, it's very uh, unusual. It's idiosyncratic. Um, there are people who share a similar anti-Trinitarian view, but Newton is is passionate about his view that that Christianity had been corrupted. Uh, some hundreds of years after well almost from the beginning but christianity was corrupted in the same way that you know the original truths of adam and noah and abraham 
and Moses, they're always being corrupted by human beings. And, and it takes great people throughout history to come and restore the, the true religion. I mean, Newton's key, uh, I'm sure we'll come on to this, but his key problem, I think, is idolatry. His key problem with the human condition is, is that people, and particularly the chosen people, so Jews and Christians, they're always liable to fall into idolatry and to misunderstand the word of God. Uh, and it requires people, perhaps like himself, to come in into history and restore the truth, whether it's science or religion. 